0: Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm your host, Rylan Stiles, and this is the first game week of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast as the Chiefs open up their season this week on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's start first with what this week is going to look like in terms of episodes coming out. It's going to be a three-podcast week. Starting today on Tuesday, with the Game Week podcast giving you plenty of time to be able to listen to all of the deep dive on this matchup with the Chiefs and Jaguars. Tomorrow, on Wednesday, will be a Chiefs season preview special, which is just going to do what the title says. It's going to go all in-depth into the Chiefs season, preview how it might shake out, uh, and just give my thoughts and opinions on the season upcoming And then Thursday, right before the NFL season kicks off, it's going to be the NFL season preview, picking the playoffs, picking the Super Bowl, picking uh, MVPs, rookie of the year, stuff, all that nature that goes into season previews, going to happen on Thursday right before the Bears and Packers kick it off. So a three-week episode in terms of Monday through Friday, and then of course remember on Sunday to check right back here for the Rapid Reactions podcast as soon as the game is over. So whenever the game ends, I'll be hitting this red button to record, and then probably about 20 minutes after the game ends, it'll be uploaded after I give my rapid reactions. And then the following week, we'll have two shows a week, like I mentioned a few episodes ago in the season, we're going to do two episodes, Uh, one kind of just recapping the week in terms of the Chiefs and the NFL, and then another one later in the week, kind of previewing the week uh, in terms of the Chiefs and the NFL. So now you've got all that information. Again... I'm Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, though, we're going to talk about all the Chiefs news Chiefs news that's happened since our last podcast. We're going to preview the game, uh, Chiefs versus Jaguars. We're going to do uh, our weekly NFL preview for this week. It's going to be the hot topics of the NFL, like Ezekiel uh, Elliott and the Cowboys, Melvin Gordon and the new Chargers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and also pick every single game this NFL slate, and give the locks of the week, and then three of the top games that the Chiefs are not involved in, because of course everyone wants to watch the Chiefs if you're listening to a Chiefs podcast, so picking three games the Chiefs aren't involved in that I cannot wait to watch. So that's pretty much the uh, the meta for a Chiefs Week podcast, just talking about Chiefs news, the game, and then on down the line. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The biggest news, I think, is the fact that the Chiefs traded Carlos Hyde to the Texans for a swing offensive lineman, you know, just adding uh, good depth to that offensive line, and then immediately signed LaShawn McCoy. Of course, McCoy was with Andy Reid in Philadelphia, so he has a lot of experience with this system. He should be able to play week one without question. I mean, he should, you know, running backs in general, it's easier to pick up on the playbook uh, because you really only have a couple jobs uh, each play, maybe even one on some plays, obviously. Uh, so I think that he'll have no problem suiting out, uh, suiting up on Sunday. Uh, it's only a one year deal. There's three million dollars guaranteed. That tells me that he's going to play a lot. And then Andy Reid confirmed that whenever he listed him as a co-starter with Damian Williams. I love this pickup. I don't know how Chiefs fans have kind of twisted this into a bad thing. I get it. But the The secondary is is. Shaky at best. The cornerback room is awful. I get that. But it's not like the Chiefs looked at LaShawn McCoy and then looked at an all-pro cornerback and said, you know what? We could go get that cornerback right there. Let's go get LaShawn McCoy instead. Who did you want them to pick up at cornerback that was on the open market on the last week of August, right before the season starts? Who's who's out there right now? If you say trade for Patrick Peterson this this move does not hinder you from doing that. You can still do that. You still have enough cap space, even with, even with giving him $3 million. You still have enough cap space. Obviously, it's a signed thing for McCoy. You didn't trade for him, so you still have all your assets that you had going into this. And even if you traded for him right now, he's suspended. So, I mean, he wasn't going to help you immediately either. This is a great move. I think that LaShawn McCoy had had a bad year statistically last year because of the fact that the Bills had a terrible offensive line. And I'm sure many of you are. So if you are subscribed to The Athletic, go read Seth Seth Kaiser's article about uh, Lashawn McCoy. I mean, he pointed out the fact of just how bad that offensive line is. And anyone who watched the Bills last year understood that. So that kind of hurt his uh, statistics. And I think that not having to be the bell cow running back is going to help. I mean, they're going to mix in all three guys, McCoy, Williams, uh, Thompson. They're going to mix in all those guys, I think. So I think that'll help him. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, it's a one-year deal. So what? But I think it'll work. I think it'll work big time uh, with McCoy coming back into Andy Reid's system. Andy Reid's system is automatically just good for running backs. I mean, he, he does great work with running backs. And so I think this is a match made in heaven. They did steal him away from the Chargers. The Chargers really wanted him in wake of the fact that they won't have Melvin Gordon this season unless they pay him. He made that very clear. We'll talk about that more later on. Other than that, though, Mark Fields was traded to the Vikings for a seventh-round pick. I liked Mark Fields. I liked what he put on tape this preseason. I wish that they would have kept him. But any time you can turn an undrafted free agent into a seventh-round pick or any pick, you've won. You've gotten more for what you paid. You've won the gamble. You've won the flyer on Mark Fields. I would have liked to see him stay in Kansas City and see what he could do on the field, but nonetheless, they they flipped him for a seventh-round pick, and that's still a positive. Because, again, you took an undrafted free agent and turned him into a pick. Uh, they cut Jeff Allen, but then re-signed him. Uh, Chad Henney is going to go to the IR with, an, with ankle surgery, and the Chiefs signed Matt Moore. Again, if Patrick Mahomes goes down and Matt Moore's is playing, uh, the season's over. So I don't really care who's the backup quarterback. Uh, this isn't a Philadelphia Eagles situation where you go from an elite starter in Carson Wentz to a above-average starter in Nick Foles. Uh, any, anything dropping off from homes is too big of a drop off to maintain, uh, to, to keep your season alive. Breland speaks is out for the year on IR with a knee injury. I think that this is actually, I mean, obviously no one wants to get hurt. No one wants to be hurt. I think this is actually a, I think this is actually a, a blessing for Breland speaks. I think he can take this year off and get right physically, get right mentally and prepare and have a great year next year. I, I mean, I know obviously he'd rather be playing right now. But I think that this IR could be something that, that he looks back on and that Chiefs fans look back on and that the Chiefs organization looks back on and saying that's the turning point. That's when he took things seriously. Because he came into the year saying that he was overweight and he, and he had a little bit too much fun this offseason, and it showed and he hurt his knee, and I think that maybe this can uh, kind of just be like a little bit of a wake-up call, so to say. Uh, I think that that's going to be a blessing for him, but obviously no one wants to be hurt and you wish him a speedy recovery in that sense. Uh, Pringle made the roster, Cody Thompson got cut. I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm not going to be outraged about the fifth or sixth receiver on the roster. So, uh, But I would have liked to see Cody Thompson make the roster even over Pringle. But I know fans love Brian Pringle. He's a local guy. He had a great preseason last year. Uh, he got hurt. He would have made the team last year, but he got hurt. Uh, so I'm not too upset about it either. I think, again, it's a position where Mahomes and Reed are going to make any receiver you put out there look good. And so if it gets down to Pringle... He'll look good, and he'll excite fans. Now, Doran O'Daniel made the team, which is a guy who we, Grant and I, had discussed of, is he going to make the team because he had such a poor showing in the preseason? And by all accounts, he didn't have that good of a training camp either. It wasn't just the game. He did make the team. I think that that's good. I, I would have been... I'm slightly upset if he didn't make the team, because I think that he still has that promise he showed a year ago in the regular season, so I want to see what he can do now that he's on the team. Herb Miller and Demontre Wade got cut. Uh, Herb Miller had flashes, but again, he wasn't consistent enough. He wasn't solid enough to uh, warrant staying on the team. Uh, Garrick Dieter is out for the season on the IR with a back injury. Uh, Dante Thomas got suspended for one week, and so... Not a huge deal. I mean, special teams is probably what's going to take the biggest hit from him being out for a week, but again, it's just one week, and he'll be back the following week against Oakland. Uh, Yelder was listed as tight end two in the depth chart. I would have liked to see uh, Blake Bell listed as tight end two, but again, the depth chart is fluid. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I don't really put much stock into it, but it's interesting because I think that uh, Blake Bell did more to earn that tight end two spot than Dion Yelder, but... Oh well, I think that we're going to see both of them plenty. I think that it's going to be a good mix, I think that eventually we'll get to see uh, the best twenty-two guys on the field uh, at any given time. And I think that Andy Reach is kind of throwing up, throwing out guys right now in the depth chart. If he even does the depth, the, the depth chart uh, himself at this point in time, I don't know if that's kind of a a PR thing where they kind of handle that for now, and that's not really their depth chart. Who knows? I just don't, I just don't think that we have to worry about not seeing Blake Bell. I think that he'll get his chance. Uh, pretty soon. Now the last bit of news before we get into the the game recap is that Tremont Smith is back to his old number and he's also back into the cornerback room from playing running back this preseason. And so that means he obviously made the team. Again, I think this is a special teams move, not a going to roll him out there at cornerback because he's not even listed as the backup cornerback on the depth chart. Uh, This is going to be strictly special teams, I think. But it's an interesting note that he moved back from running back to cornerback, and he did, in fact, make the team. Because I thought that the signing of D'Anthony Thomas signaled that he would not make the team, because you have your special teams ace right there, and you want Terry Hill returning punts. So if Dats returning kicks and Tyreek's returning punts, where does that leave Tremont Smith? But he still makes the team. So now let's get into the Chiefs and Jaguars preview week one. Football season is finally back, and that's very, very, very exciting uh, I cannot wait for the Chiefs to kick off. It'll be a noon kickoff, uh, Central Time, of course, on CBS. You will get the the CBS second team broadcasters with Ian Eagle, Dan Fouts, and Evan Washburn on the call. The Chiefs have opened at a five point favorite as of Monday. Whenever I wrote these lines down, We're recording this on Tuesday, uh, uh, and so right now they're a four point favorite on on the updated line, of course. I'm sorry. They opened at a five-point favorite, but then now they're a four-point favorite. I love that. I would put a ton of money on the Chiefs, uh, minus the four. I think that they're going to win by at least a touchdown, probably two, uh, if not more. So, I mean, I I love that line for the Chiefs if you want to get in on that right now. I'm sure that come Sunday, if you wait, that line will be very inflated, so I would get in on that as soon as possible. The over-under are set at 525 I don't know about that one. I'd kind of stay away from that a little bit because I don't know how much help you're going to get from the Jacksonville uh, offense, but we'll see. And then the Hurricane in Florida could possibly threaten this game, although I think that I read this morning that it's kind of died down a little bit and it's not uh, it's not that much of a problem anymore. Uh, so hopefully for the people in Florida, that stays the same. If if for some reason it does not stay um, and, and, it, and it becomes an issue later on in the week, you could see this game get moved up. It's happened before where the Chiefs have uh, went to play in Miami. A hurricane moved the game up to Friday. It could get moved to a different location like Houston or um, any any team really that plays on the road uh, and that isn't going to use their home facility. And it could get even moved back to where it's not on Friday, not on Saturday, but it's on Monday instead of Sunday. That's something of that nature. So again, just monitor that. Um, I think that... Right now, we're in the clear, and that this game can get played in Jacksonville on time at noon on Sunday. So now let's move into more of the game. Uh, the three things to watch for this week. It's an interesting game. I mean, every week is going to be interesting. You only get 16 games to watch the Chiefs. Everyone loves the Chiefs, and so every game is going to be interesting. But this one particularly has a few interesting things to watch. As uh, your first chance to look at the, def- the, the uh, defensive scheme, I want to see how aggressive Spagnoli is. I want to see how aggressive this defense is. Are you going to are you going to see more blitzes from this defense to try to hide the secondary? Are you going to see more pressure on the quarterback to try to hide that secondary? Is it true that we're going to cut out the whole dropping back uh, you know our pass rushers into coverage? Uh, I think that that will be in fact true. Uh, and we don't really have the Justin Houston's of the world, the D4s of the world who line up at that outside linebacker spot anyway anymore. We just they're not Our pass rushers line up uh, with our hand on the ground, which is a good thing to me. So I want to see how the defense looks. Is there going to be a lot more design blitzes than a year ago? Uh, Are they going to try to drop back more? I I don't really um, know for sure, but what I think is going to happen is, again, they're going to blitz more uh, and have more consistent pressure and try to help the defense out that way. Because if you're dropping everyone back in coverage, but no one's good at covering, that does you absolutely no good. Let's try to get Frank Clark in the backfield, Chris Jones in the backfield. Let's try to get uh, Alex Hokefor in the backfield. Let's try to do that rather than relying on the cornerbacks and, and safeties who we already know are bad in coverage. So I think that he'll try to blitz a little bit more. But I want to see the different packages he lines up in. Uh, the NASCAR package, is it going to be a 3-4, 4-3? How are they going to disguise their looks? Is he going to change looks a lot? Is he going to stay in the base defense a lot? What is he going to do in that aspect That'll be something to watch for for every Chiefs fan. Number two, I think, is something that's going to be pretty much easily detected. Uh, Can the Chiefs repeat last year on offense? How does the offense look this year? I think that the only argument against the Chiefs repeating last year's performance is that the history isn't on your side. The history says that the Chiefs cannot repeat what they did a year ago because no one has done it. No one has done it twice in a row. I think that that's kind of lazy. That's a lazy way out to just bank on the bank on the history aspect of it. I think that this Chiefs' offense is going to be just as good as last year, if not more. Uh, you know, if not if not better than last year. Uh, we'll see how you know Mahomes' footwork helps him become a better quarterback. We'll see how Deshaun McCoy what what he can add to that backfield. Uh, which the backfield again last year, even whenever Kareem Hunt was suspended and was cut, it still performed at a high level. So. I don't know what questions you could have about this offense. That offensive line performed well last year, and that's the same offensive line. I don't know, again, besides the fact that you're banking on history and you're banking on the history not being on your side, I don't know how you can predict a regression. I really don't. Now, obviously, 50 touchdowns might not happen exactly, uh, but I don't think that you're going to go from 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards to 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. I mean, I don't think the regression will be all that much. I think Andy Reid will call the same system. He'll call the same plays. He'll be just as aggressive. And the offense will look the same. And hopefully, as we talked about earlier, the defensive scheme looks different. And the defensive unit plays better. And then you have the most interesting, I think, from a just a football fan's perspective, is the Jalen Ramsey following Tarek Hill discussion. It was announced a week ago that Jalen Ramsey will follow Tariq Hill around the field and he'll trail him all game long. I think that's interesting. I think we saw last year that pressing Tariq Hill can work whenever the Patriots did it. But I don't think you can put Jalen Ramsey on Tariq Hill all game. Now Jalen Ramsey is one of the best cornerbacks in the league and if you told me he was the best, I wouldn't argue with you. He is, of course... In that conversation of the best cornerback in this game, but to stay on Terry Hill all game, even though he's your best option, is not that smart. Because all Terry Hill does is run go routes, long slants, uh, you know, double moves. I mean, think of all the routes that Terry Hill can run. He's fast, and somehow which is something that doesn't get talked about enough, he has so much energy. Because even he doesn't get tired whenever for the three plays in a row he's running goes and posts and long slants with bursts at the end of it to accelerate and go 20 yards after the catch. Even he doesn't get tired of doing that. So I think what the Patriots did well was that they didn't put their best cornerback on Terry Killall game. In theory, yes, I want my number one against your number one. But I think you've got to pick your spots for that, because if you let one person stay on Terry Kill all game, he's going to wear you out. Because again, Terry Kill can run all these routes and never gets tired, but you cannot chase him and never get tired, especially if you're going to start pressing him. Because then if you press him, okay, you might win that battle, but if you don't, now you're you're five, six, ten yards behind him, and you're chasing him to catch up to him instead of staying with him. So I think that this is just a bad, bad recipe. I think that Jalen Ramsey should be on Tyreek Hill some. And again, pick your spots on when you think that the game-breaking play is going to happen. But other times, let him have a have a break from following Tyreek Hill. So it's, it's a hard thing to manage for a defensive coordinator. Because in the same breath, I don't think that Ramsey should be relegated to one side, to where you can just keep Tyreek Hill away from him the whole time. So it's hard to manage that, and that's what makes Target Kill so good. That's what makes the fact that they won't regress so prominent. Is because how do you stop this team? And let's 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 work in a mythical world where Jalen Ramsey shuts down Target Kill. He didn't do it last year, but let's just say he does it this year. Okay, so we're going from Jalen Ramsey shutting down Target Kill to now your second cornerback's on Sammy Watkins, who's obviously a drop-off from your first cornerback. Sammy Watkins is an elite receiver in his own right, if he can stay healthy. Again, he's at worst a, an elite number two. In some offenses, he could be your number one. Then who's going to guard Travis Kelsey? Then Lashawn McCoy's out the backfield now. Damian Williams out the back, out the backfield. I don't think that there's a way to stop this offense. I really don't. And so now I'm going to predict the offensive and defensive MVPs, who I think is going to have the best game. And then we'll talk about how the Chiefs can win this game and how they could lose this game. So first, the offensive MVP, I think it's going to be Leshawn McCoy. I think that everyone might be heading into this game thinking, why did they improve that position? Why did they bring a veteran in whenever they had Damian Williams, who's unknown, uh, who, who, who knows if he can continue what he did last year who knows if he can keep that up? Why they bring in a veteran presence? You could argue that, well, he was terrible last year. He's regressed. He's over the hill. Again, he didn't have an offensive line worth anything last year. That offensive line is one of the worst in the league, and that's why they've made so many changes to it. I think that LaShawn McCoy is going to have a breakout game. Whether it's because Andy Reid is forcing him the ball because they, he wants to reward McCoy for... Choosing the Chiefs over the Chargers, no matter what the issue is, no matter how it gets done, I think come Monday, you know, next Monday, we'll be talking about how the Sean McCoy looks rejuvenated, how he looks like he is, he is back into prime form, and how this Chiefs offense is going to be unstoppable. So I think Tyreek Hill's going to have a good game. That doesn't mean that no one else is going to have a good game. I think that Sean McCoy, though, is going to have that game that everyone talks about. Wow, he really came back, and he looks like his old self again thanks to the marriage with Andy Reid. My defensive MVP is a little bit tough to pick from, because again, defense is a little bit harder to predict than offense. But I'm going to go with Frank Clark. I think that he'll get a sack or two to where you kind of forget about D Ford if you haven't already, and he plays the run defense well, which D Ford wasn't too good at last year. Uh, So I think that Frank Clark's going to be the guy that stands out. You're going to realize that you're... Trade and big contract paid off quickly. So those are my two offensive defensive MVPs. Tweet me your MVPs at Rylan underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And so now let's talk about the Chiefs win this game. I think that the keys to the game for the Chiefs winning is simple. You got to get pressure and the offense has to come out with energy. We talked about it earlier, whenever we were talking about what to watch for on defense. I think you have to get pressure, and you have to get after Nick Foles. Because even though they don't have a lot of good receiving options, D.D. Westbrook being the best of them, I do think that this secondary is so bad they can make that, that receiving core look good. So you've got to get pressure, you've got to knock Nick Foles off, you've got to get sacks, you've got to help your secondary that way, where they're not covering for seven seconds, they're covering for three seconds. That's what you've got to do to win this game and, and shut them down defensively. And the offense is simple. And this will be the case for most of the year. Until we until we see a glaring flaw, the offense simply has to show up. And they have to play with energy. They have to play with effort. They have to play like they want to be there. That's pretty much it. Now... A way that they lose this game on offense is that if they allow the pressure to get to Mahomes. Because we saw last year in Denver, while he can gut it out and he can win, he doesn't look as good when the pressure is bearing down him constantly. He can make good escape plays. He's a great quarterback. Do not attack me. But sometimes, if the pressure's consistent, he looks. He has a little bit of a drop-off. Which any quarterback does. That's not a, that's not a knock on Mahomes. Any quarterback needs protection. And that Jags front seven is pretty good. It's pretty good. So keep Mahomes comfortable in the pocket or give him a way to escape. Again, last year, one side of the offensive line might let someone through, but the other side held up on that play, so he was able to roll out and throw it downfield with no problem. Make sure you can do that. Make sure you can give Mahomes room to work, whether that be in the pocket or giving him a lane to step up and throw and find his target. On the flip side, again, if the offense lacks energy and effort, they're not going to win this game. They have to come out and they have to play their game because this defense, no matter how improved it is, it won't be improved enough to carry an offense. The offense will still have to carry the defense, but maybe not just as as hard as it was last year. But they still have to show up and they still have to want to play I don't think that'll be a problem, but again, that's really the only thing you're worried about with this offense until they show you something to concern you. Right now, the only concern is, are they going to come out flat? And again, I don't think that they will, but that's the only concern you can have for this offense. That's how good they are. And then another way that they lose this game, the Chiefs do, is if the Chiefs don't get pressure. If the Chiefs cannot pressure Nick Foles, cannot rush him, cannot pressure him, cannot sack him, cannot hit him, then they're in trouble. And again, depending on how the offense plays, they might not lose the game. But this is a way, this is a path to the Jaguars winning, as if they can't get pressure. And Nick Foles can pick apart this lackluster secondary, and the Jaguars keep up pace with Mahomes, and then the offense maybe falters down the stretch on the road in Jacksonville. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. I love the line for the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs winning outright. But this is just a way they could lose the game. So that's what I have on the Chiefs preview. I'm going to say the Chiefs win this game 28-7. to 7. It's a big win. That's a big win. I think that that's going to be one of their lowest scoring games of the year is 28 points. Uh, and then, of course, I think the defense is going to show up. Uh, it's going to make Chiefs fans happy, but then you have to remember... This isn't exactly an elite offense that they're going to shut down. You've got to worry about um, Leonard Fournette, but you don't have to worry about Nick Foles, I don't think. I really don't believe that he's going to be a game-changing quarterback, especially in this scheme and this system, without all the weapons he had in Philadelphia. And the receiving core is just awful. So, again, save D.D. Westbrook, who's going to be a really good player, but... Again, I think it's going to be 28-7. The Chiefs are going to win. We're all going to be happy, and we're going to go to Oakland and win there again, and et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into that tomorrow on the Chiefs season preview on what I have for each week. So now let's shift into the NFL, the NFL as a whole, and talk about the hot topics around there. And then again, we're going to pick every game. So the, the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott are closing a deal right now as we speak. Uh I think that the deal is in its final stages, according to Ian Rappaport as of five minutes ago. It will make him the highest paid running back in the NFL. I believe the number I saw from Pro Football Talk is $90 million over the course of six years. You got to do what you got to do. That's a lot of money for a running back, but again, I think that Zeke makes that offense go. I think he's the missing piece to that offense. Without him, you can't really get anything done. I hope that this signal is not paying Dak because they've, they've invested a lot of money into Zeke and then hopefully they'll invest a lot of money into Murray Cooper and then Dak doesn't get any money because I think that that's a, the more dumb move would have been paying Dak. I don't think Dak is worth any amount of money. I think he's an average quarterback at best and I'm not giving an average quarterback as much money as he's demanding. But again, Zeke is going to play week one because I think that this deal is going to get finalized today and he'll play thanks to the fact that he'll have a new deal. Melvin Gordon is out for week one as of right now because he's not, pay- he's not playing unless he gets paid. And the Chargers are standing pat on not paying him. And they've told his representation that he can try to find a deal for himself. And that's a good move, I think. I don't think Melvin Gordon is this elite running back who's going to change a franchise. If Ezekiel Elliott sat out all 16 games this year, the Cowboys' record would be dramatically different as it than if he would have played. They go from a playoff team with a chance to win a playoff game or two to a team outside the playoffs, probably picking in the top 15, or probably picking in the top 12. If Melvin Gordon sits out the entire year, maybe the Chargers lose one game that they wouldn't have lost otherwise. Maybe. It's a bit of a stretch. Good player, Melvin Gordon not a franchise-altering or season-altering player. So I think the Chargers are doing the right thing and not paying him, but we'll see how that goes. Again, we'll see if he gets traded and, and how everything all works out. The Colts extended Jacoby Brissett after the Andrew Luck retirement saga on a two-year, $30 million deal. I think Brissett is a solid quarterback, and I think that that offensive line is finally competent. I think that offensive line is going to help him and that that. New Van Perceiving core is going to work. Uh, he won't be as explosive, obviously. That offense won't be without Andrew Luck, but I think the win loss total might stay around the same because I don't think that you know with the offensive line help and the skill position help and then that defense, I don't think that this is going to cost them many games. It might cost them a playoff spot, which is only going to be a matter of a game or two, but I don't think it'll cost them that many games because I think that I think that Jaco- Jacoby Brissett is a A valid replacement, unlike Matt Moore. If Patrick Patrick Mahomes retired today, I think that Matt Moore coming in would ruin the season. I don't think that Brissett ruins the season. Trent Williams is going to be out for week one. He's not reporting to the Redskins, trying to still get traded. I don't know. I I don't know about this move. Uh, I think Trent Williams is absolutely right. He should not play for the Redskins ever again if you read what happened to him and their training staff. I don't know why the Redskins aren't just trading him, because the longer you wait, the more leverage you lose, as he proves that he will not play for you. They should have traded him immediately. Uh, But again, I don't know how this is all going to work out. He could even retire, I think. I mean, I don't know how he's handled his financial situation. But I think that given his age and given his situation, he might retire. But I'd rather see him get traded. I think he can still be an elite tackle in this league. So it'd be a shame if he just up and retired due to the incompetence of the Washington Redskins. Jadavion Clowney has been traded to the Seahawks. Interesting move. They got him for nothing. So you can't really complain at all about this move. If you're a Seahawks fan, they literally got him for nothing. A couple linebackers and a third round pick who they're going to get back anyway, if he leaves in free agency. Uh, But, I think this is interesting because I think that Frank Clark is better than Jadavion Clowney. I think as an overall player, Frank Clark is better. He might not have the name recognition. In fact, he doesn't have the name recognition of a Jadavion Clowney. But you traded away Frank Clark to the Chiefs because you didn't want to pay him, and now you've just traded for a one-year rental in Jadavion Clowney on a team who might be good enough to go 9-7, and 10-6, and make the playoffs. Might. But again, they gave up nothing, so what does it matter? I mean, it's not like they broke the farm to to go get Clowney. Uh, And then Tunsil and Stills got traded from Miami to the Texans uh, for, goodness gracious, they got a couple first-round picks, second-round pick, uh, and on down the line. That's a good move for Miami. A bad move for the Texans, but a good move for Miami. That Dolphins team was not going to be good with Stills, was not going to be good with Tunsil, uh, with or without them, so prepare for the future. As far as the Texans go... I think it does help their offense, but I don't know if it helps their offense enough. Tunsil can protect Watson; he's a very good tackle in this league. Kenny Stills is going to be a good weapon for Watson. I think that Watson extending plays and looking down the field for Stills is going to be uh, is going to be prime for a few uh, great highlight plays this year. Uh, but again, all the draft capital they gave up for these two guys uh, was quite a lot. So now let's talk about Pick'em. and. You can, again, message me on Twitter or at me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, and we can start a Pick'em League, I guess, or group. Is that what they call them on ESPN? Uh, you know, if you go on ESPN.com slash fantasy, they have Pick'em. You can join a league with uh, anyone and pick games and see how you fare against other people. We can start one for the Air Hidetic Podcast if you're interested in that. Again, message me on Twitter. My DMs are open. Or send me a, a mention on there saying that you're interested and how do you join, and we'll get that set up. But here are my week one picks, and we'll do this every week. I'm picking the Bears on Thursday night. The Bears are favored by three points. Uh, I'm not necessarily taking the spread. I'm just picking the team outright. I'm picking the Chiefs against the Jaguars. The Chiefs are favored by four points. I'm taking the Eagles against the Redskins. Eagles minus eight and a half. I think the Redskins are awful. I just think that they're an awful football team and that the Eagles are going to win that game. The Rams only a three-point favorite at, at Carolina, which you get three points just for being at home, but still... That seems a little bit low. I don't think the Panthers are going to be all that good this year. I'm taking the Rams there. Titans at Browns. Browns minus five and a half. I'm taking the Browns. I think that the Browns are going to continue this hype train because the Texans aren't. I mean, the Titans aren't that good. So I think that the Browns are going to just have a great game on Sunday. Explosive game with Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, etc., and have the media talking about them nonstop this week. But we'll see how that goes once they play a quality competition in a couple weeks. Obviously, they play the the Jets next week, but then they play the Rams, I think, the week after that. And then you have Ravens at Dolphins. Ravens, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me the Ravens. I mean, the Dolphins are a train wreck, and they have literally no one on that team uh, to help them out. Uh, Falcons at Vikings. Vikings, four-point favorites. Give me the Falcons. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I think that the Vikings can improve this year, though. I think that they can take a step forward. But I don't trust the Vikings. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. And I think that the Falcons are going to win this game. But that's going to be a good game to watch. The Bills at Jets. Jets minus three. I'm taking the Jets. I I think that the Jets are just a better football team than the the Bills. I think that every NFL fan has a side in this matchup. You're either extremely high on the Bills this year and think that they're going to be a sneaky team, or you're extremely high on the Jets and think they're going to be a sneaky good team. I'm taking the Jets. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they have a better running back. I think they have a better wide receiver. I think they have a better defense. I think they have equally as good of offensive lines. I think they have a better coach. So I'm taking the Jets. I think it's that simple. Better wide receivers, better running back, better quarterback, better defense, better coach. Equal offensive line. I'm taking the Jets. Colts at Chargers, Chargers minus seven. Taking the Chargers here. I think that the Colts will not look like a train wreck or anything, but I just think that it's going to be hard to travel to the Chargers and win that game. Bengals at Seahawks. I'm taking the Seahawks minus the uh, 9.5, 9.5. Again, the Bengals are a train wreck. They're just a disaster. And then then you throw on top of all that, traveling to Seattle. So I'm taking the Seahawks there. Lions minus 2.5 against the Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals. As a home dog, give me the Cardinals over the Lions. My One of my only upset picks this week, I think Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury will upset the Lions. They have a good front seven, but other than that, I don't really like anything on their team. Uh, Giants at Cowboys. Cowboys seven-point favorites at home. Give me the Cowboys. Again, Giants are just awful. 49ers uh, against Bucks. The Bucks are a one-point favorite at home. Give me the 49ers and get on that quickly, because I think that quickly it'll go from the... 49ers plus one to the 49ers being the favorites. So give me the 49ers plus one. Uh, Steelers at Patriots minus six. Give me the Steelers. I think that the Patriots are going to lose this week one game. And the media is going to hop on to the Patriots are dead um, line that they always do. And then the Patriots will end up in the Super Bowl somehow. So give give me the Steelers in week one. And then the Texans at Saints. Saints are a seven-point favorite. Give me the Saints. I think that the Texans are going to be competitive in this game, but in New Orleans, in a tough environment, with all the new pieces on the Texans right now, give me the Saints, give me the continuity, give me Drew Brees, and I'll take the Saints in that matchup. And then finally, the Broncos at Raiders. This is going to be a coin flip game. I mean, it really is. Raiders are minus one, as it proves on the spread. I guess give me the Broncos. I like that defense a lot more. I think that the quarterback play, you know what you're going to get in Flacco. Not Nothing special, but also not disastrous. Uh, and I think Derek Carr's hit or miss. He could be a mediocre to good quarterback one week, and then he could be a disastrous quarterback the next week. So give me the Broncos a little bit more consistency there. My locks of the week. Chiefs minus four. Anything below a touchdown is a lock for the Chiefs. Give me that number right now. 49ers plus one. And Falcons plus four. I really believe the Falcons are going to win that game, and so plus four is a good is a good margin because even if they lose the game, as long as they lose it by a field goal or less, good to go. And then finally, my my top three non-Chiefs games to watch. My top three games that do not involve the Chiefs. Titans at Browns. I want to see how that Browns new how that new look Browns team looks. Are they for real? Do they show signs of being for real? If they can't do it against the Titans, who can they do it against? So I wanted to watch that team play. They're going to be interesting all year long. Falcons at Vikings. Again, both these games are at noon on Sunday. Uh, Again, I want to see what the Vikings do if if they take a step up and rebound from last year. I think it's just going to be a close game, a competitive game all the way through, and a fun game to watch if you have kind of two TVs set up and you have Sunday ticket and you can stream all these games while you watch the Chiefs on the TV. Uh, And then my last one. Texans at Saints on Monday night at six ten Central Time. Remember, Monday night on Week One is a doubleheader, so the first game gets moved up a little bit to try to work both games in. So six ten start for Saints at Texans. I mean, excuse me, Texans at Saints. Uh, I'm taking again the Saints in that game, but I think that Deshaun Watson is always fun to watch. I think that that new look Texans team is going to be interesting to, to uh, dissect, and then of course you have the Saints who have a high-powered offense, an elite quarterback, an elite running back. And you want to see them play each week. So those are my top three games from the non-Chiefs perspective. And that has been the first ever Game Week podcast. Going about 40 minutes a week. uh, Talking about the upcoming game. And the NFL. This will normally be your second podcast of the week. Whenever we're previewing the Chiefs game. And previewing the NFL game. Uh, But this week it's your first one. Because again tomorrow we have the Chiefs season preview. Where we're going to talk about the entire season for the Chiefs. And on Thursday... You have the NFL season preview where we talk about the entire NFL, not just the Chiefs. Thank you all for joining me today on the first ever Game Week podcast. I apologize for being sick, as you can probably tell in my voice. Uh, I just came down with a head cold. Nothing, nothing dramatic or anything like that. Uh, hopefully, it clears up by Friday because I have a game to broadcast on Friday, Lawton High football and the Oklahoma Sports Network, if you want to tune into that. If you like Oklahoma high school football for some reason, it would be a very weird thing to cross paths with on the Chiefs podcast, but hey, if you want to watch that game, you can go to theokalmasportsnetwork.com and click on the Lawton High channel on the Oklahoma Sports Network. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you want to play, pick 'em Again, it's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you want to play Pick'Em, mention me there, DM me there if you want to, uh, and say, hey, how do we get this set up? And then I'll take care of everyone's information and start a group, and you can play against me and see if you can beat me. Uh, we probably can, but see if you can do it, uh, and we'll go from there. So again, tomorrow around 5 o'clock, be looking for the Chiefs season preview, and then Thursday around that same time, be looking for the NFL season preview. So again, thank you all for joining me. Please read ArrowHeadic.com. We have a lot of good stuff coming up for this season, uh, including some more articles by me instead of just podcasts. So that'll be fun for sure. So please, please, please follow me on Twitter and go read the ArrowHeadic podcast. I need the followers, and and you, and you they deserve your views because the Addict, uh website, not just the podcast, uh, is extremely good. So I'll see you guys tomorrow, actually, not next week. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, be good and be good to one another. This has been the ArrowHeadic podcast on the Fanside Podcasting Network.